Good morning, parents. Busy, hopefully rested, single moms and dads out there. I just want to give you an encouraging word. So, I was talking with a friend. Here I am drinking my coffee, right? Sunday morning, I got to sleep in a little bit. Let's see. It is almost 8 o'clock in the morning. And here I am having my coffee. And the Lord was really uh, stirring me up to create this voice memo because um, I was talking with a friend last night in another um, little group that we have for women to encourage women and build women up. And I was telling her how I'm so exhausted. And so this season of my life, just to give you a little background story, I'm working, as you know, because that's why I wanted to start this in uh, this group so that we could help each other and encourage one another with similar struggles that working single parents have. And as Christians, right? Because that's another component. It really is. Whereas it's a helpful component, obviously, in so many ways. We're saved. Thank you, Jesus. We're delivered. Thank you, Jesus. We have purpose and vision and and joy, and he strengthens us. But there's still the physical exhaustion that we experience. There's still the busy schedules that we have to keep. And there's still the distractions in our lives with our children. I mean, there is no doubt about it (laughs) that it's a real struggle. It's a struggle. And it's okay to say those words. It's okay to admit it. Um, You know, many of us are professionals. We have degrees and we're working um, even if you don't have a degree, you're, you're working, you're, you're busy and you have, you're organized, you know, maybe you're, you're very motivated to pr- be promoted and, you know, you're continuously like normal, what would be expected would be to reassess yourself continuously at your job to determine what areas Um, do you need to improve upon, right? And I feel like, um, and when we don't need to improve, we like to be, you know, basically not, I don't want to say recognized for that publicly in any way, shape or form, because actually I steer clear of that. I don't like people to say, oh, you know, kudos for doing your job. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) But if somebody just appreciates something that I did, just come to me personally, privately and thank me. I don't need to have some sort of like, you know, hurrah party with my, my name up on some board saying what I did or things like that. No, I, I definitely am not a fan of that. Um, I, I had that happen at my last job and I literally was like, please don't do that. If you, if I've done something good, please just come to me and thank me privately. I don't need to be publicly no, you know, um, you know, um, I don't need to be, it doesn't need to be made public. Okay, so, but anything. Anyway, where I was going with all that is that um, when we have something like working well, we're doing something well at our job, for instance, um, that, that's accomplished and that's on its, you know, that's, that's like kind of like a well-oiled machine. It's moving and it's all its parts are, are, are functioning properly. And then we're over here focusing on some of our other skill sets, right? Developing those. Well, the last thing we want to admit or we want to see encounter is that those skills that were well-oiled running smoothly would somehow kind of like one of those parts would need replaced or um, we would need to readjust in some way or we would need to relearn something and say, well, wait a minute, I already was doing that and now I have to go back and, and you know, I, fail, I failed, right? I failed at that or I got, I got sloppy or I got, I got um, distract, you know, distracted, I got lazy or I, I kind of got complacent in that area, right? So at our job, that's the last thing that we want to admit. That's the last thing we want to see happen. That's the last thing we want anyone else, um, especially anyone above us or anyone at work, period. Let's just put it that way. Anyone who's 
you know, at our level, our colleagues, or even people that have a lower status than us, and definitely somebody who is our boss in some capacity, to ever come to us and take note of that and say, wait a minute, you had that going well, and now you're not doing it anymore. What happened? So I think it's kind of like an inherent kind of thought process. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to say fear because, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. So it's not about fear so much as it is about thinking, oh no, you know, I did something well and now I'm not doing it well and I have to go back again and, and fix it, okay? And pay attention to that. Sometimes when we try and put too many balls in the air, right, one of them falls. So maybe we're trying to do too much. You know, that's another thing we have to always continuously reassess. And inherent in work, that's kind of the way it goes. That's, that's, that's the ball game. You know, that's the playing field is that you are progressively given more work and you're progressively given more difficult tasks, right? No matter where you're working in the seven mountains. So, you know, the last thing we want anyone to think is that they can't handle the load that we've given them. Let's ratchet it back. Uh Uh-oh, we got to take something off of their plate. They can't be relied upon. They can't be, you know, promoted, you know, and that always leads to promotion. But what the irony is, you know, right? When you get to the top, you start delegating, right? And you start doing less and less. But until you get up to that place, you take on more responsibility and you're the one that's responsible when something goes wrong. So maybe you're the one that has to go to court or maybe you're the one that has to face, you know, the corporate executives. Or maybe you're the one that has to fix something, right? But for the most part of the the year, maybe 200 days, you're delegating and you're not having to do as much work, right? So, but until we get to that place, you know, we're, we're ratcheting it up and we're taking on more and more and more. And so people are watching. And so basically that's what determines, right? Who's capable of getting to the top and who quite isn't. So when I think about it in that mentality, and now because I've created this group, because we are fellowshipping one another together as working um, parents, okay, that this is not uncommon to you. What I'm telling you right now, I feel like probably um, the majority, if not all of you who are listening, can relate to that. That is, and even even if you're if you're not experiencing it, you can understand that concept, right? So now that we've we've established this is a, how we're wired right now, and um, when I say how I'm wired, I know that kind of tends to imply how I was created in the womb, and this is how I operate, and these are my personality characteristics and all that, and that is true in a way. Um, that's one factor, but even it can just be a temporary wiring, you know, like a rewiring that occurs. Because for me, I spent five years in ministry doing nothing but ministering to the Lord and to um, working in ministry, in churches, serving on the media team specifically. And then I was, you know, doing teachings and other little things, anything they would ask me to do, um, event planning too. And so, you know, that, that, um, see, now I just got sidetracked because I was focusing on myself. Sorry, Lord, let me take a sip of my coffee. (laughs) I didn't mean to brag. I'm not here to brag. But what was I saying? (laughs) I distracted myself. It was a good point. Oh, okay. The rewiring. Thank you very much, Lord. So sometimes he has to, so I unplugged from that. He unplugged me very gently and slowly, um, and confirmed it through dreams, two dreams, by the way. Um, and he also gave me two other dreams, um, that was foreshadowing. He was prophesying over me, um, foretelling that I would go back into the workplace. So long story, my history, of course, like yours, is full of lots of twists and turns and, and uphill and down in the valley. Um, valleys aren't necessarily a negative thing. I'm not, I'm not saying, but things are just the terrain, the topography has been really changing spiritually and physically. So, you know, I lived in Pittsburgh 
And now I'm up there at whatever elevation. <laughs> oh man, I'm a, I'm a geography geek, you know? I just love land. But um, don't ask me where states are. I don't know that. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But when it came to like maps, you know, I was really into that. But now I'm way down to sea level at zero, zero um, elevation here. So, you know, that's kind of funny. I like to like think of things in different ways. I love analogies and I, I like to really try and teach from that perspective as well. I think it works. But anyway, I digressed again. <laughs> Let me take another sip of my coffee. Mm. It's really good. So, <laughs> um, I should plug some coffee brand, huh? No, I won't do that. But we did get an espresso, and I'm, I'm not having it now, but it is fun. It's kind of like an evening thing for me, you know, like an after work evening thing for me. Um, I'm still kind of traditional with my Folgers in a cold press. That's what I like. I think it's called a cold press. It's the press. The press. It's not cold. It's just the press. Okay. So anyway, going back. So he rewired me um, in the schools. So now I'm working. Okay. So I was, um, you know, went to college to be an elementary ed teacher. And then there's a little bit of my way, way back testimony. Way. I'm taking you way back. I could go further, but no. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay there. Okay. So I went to um, Penn State for elementary ed. And when I graduated, I realized that I subbed for a year and I wasn't going to get a job. You know, I didn't know anybody <laughs> to get in schools. So I said, I'm going to go back and they're going to want me. You know, I'm going to go back and get a degree to get back in the, you know, the right way. So I pursued um, graduate school in, in the area of speech and language pathology. And I realized when I um, inquired and enrolled at the University of Pittsburgh that I needed a post-bac year, so I did a whole year of credits to get into the grad program, got straight A's, all the professors were like, we love you, and we're on the admittance board, so you're in. And so then I found out I was pregnant, um, and then <laughs> and then we got married. <laughs> no, that wasn't the reason why we got married, but um, yes, I did that little dirty thing, and I did ha fornicate. <laughs> fornicate I did um we were engaged but still you know I found out I was pregnant and the wedding was planned for the fall so you know luckily luck the wedding was already planned you you know girls who I'm talking to out there you got to plan that wedding well in advance you can't be you know I mean some people still do it, it depends on your venue but we needed to book a beautiful uh Heinz Cathedral Chapel and the Lamont restaurant, which is up on Mount Washington. And, you know, things had to be booked in, in advance. But anyway, um, so I found out I was pregnant. And I also found out I was accepted into grad school um, in the fall. And um, I thought, you know what? No, that isn't going to work. <laughs> I thought I could do it. But people were like, no, Diane, you can't. You need to take a year off. So I inquired with the university and they said, oh, no problem. You can, you'll, you'll be accepted for one year. So you can come back without reapplying next year. No problem. So I did. Went to grad school for two solid years. And all this whole time I wasn't working, right? I was relying on my then husband and raising a baby and um, loving the field, loving the field that I chose. And then when I graduated, I got a job working for the Allegheny Intermediate Unit in the schools. And I worked full-time for a few years. And then I, you know, I went... I wanted to have more children, so I had maternity leaves, and then I'd work, and then another maternity leave, and then I'd come back part-time with full-time benefits. That was amazing. Job sharing, oh my goodness, I highly, highly, highly recommend that. Um, for any of you ladies out there and men, if you can, you know, job share with full benefits and keep your promotion status, you know, I just moved up in the, um, up the ladder, I didn't, I, I kept my seniority, but I was only two and a half days a week. It was beautiful. So I, of course, did Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm no fool, right? And then I had a long weekend. And, you know, actually, that's something that I'd actually like to do again. Um, so I'll get to that part. But anyway, so then um, um, on my fourth child, I, as I was pregnant with her, I decided that I was going to resign from working 
And then I was going to focus more on some of the other things that I had already started. So in the meantime, as I was working in the schools and as I was having children, um, we were also starting a home building company. My ex was doing it on the side as like kind of like a hobby. And then it turned into more than that. And so it got really busy. So we were building like one home a year, taking our time, really putting our heart and soul into these projects just like how we would want the house built, you know, Um, nine foot ceilings, plaster walls, you know, beautiful um, cherry stained, not cherry, sorry, let me step back. Yeah, no, 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 not cherry. Pine um, trim, beautiful pine stained windows. You know, I was doing all the staining in the house. We were putting hardwood floors in. We were giving ample, ample allowances for kitchen and flooring and appliances and, and tile. And um, the house was was beautiful, big Pella windows, you know, we just, beautiful doors, you know, beautiful front doors. We were not a cheap builder by no means. Gawadi Custom Homes, amazing builder. If you have a home that was built by Gawadi Custom Homes, it is a solid, solid home because even the foundation was was amazing, you know. And um, God even speaks to me now through that foundations. And Solid foundation, you know, most foundations are built with 10 inch blocks and they're, I think 10 courses high and I'm, maybe I'm mixing my numbers up now. It's been a while, but we would, we would definitely do, go 12 courses with 12 inch block. I mean, we were, we, we did a nice basement space, you know, so in case you want to refinish that space. Um, oh, and all of our doors were, you know, because we had the nine foot ceilings, our doors were not, um, you know, the, the, the traditional door, you know, you could get a bigger door if you wanted and, and stuff like that. Transoms above the windows. We did all the amazing things well lit, you know, like lots of lighting cans all over the place. You just won't get that. Lots of outlets, you know, I'm talking things that sound like they make sense and they should be there, but you know, doorknobs, nice things. Whereas builders will not do that. They will put in cheap cabinetry. They'll, they'll give you small allowances. Anyway, not to digress into like bash any other builder, but they're doing it to make money. We didn't, we didn't make a lot of money at it, but we enjoyed it. Um, so loved that. I built 26 homes. Um, we did within that 26 number, I think there was a few um, additions and some like bathroom jobs, but one bathroom job. But for the most part, they were brand new constructions um, on new property from the foundations up, you know, and I managed the whole job. Uh, my, my ex did most of the scary stuff, you know, making sure the house wouldn't fall down stuff and, um, did the financing part of it. You know, he did all the books, but uh, he was an accountant still is, uh, he's not dead, but, um, <laughs> um, I did, I hand and we would both handle the customers, but I would pretty much take it from once the frame was up, I would take the job from there, you know, and he would just come and go cause he worked. He was a full-time CPA. He had a full-time job and I would handle the contractors and the customers and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Coordinated the um, building inspections and, you know, the bank draws. It was an amazing thing. And, you know, though, with the strength of God, he gives me the desire of my heart and all, I prayed for that job. I mean, I loved it. I always wanted to build custom homes and um, I was instrumental in getting us started and, um, and it was flourishing. We built uh, at at the demise of, of our, um, business because of separation and divorce and, you know, my husband being irrational, literally, um, we were building a 7,000 square foot home and we had just closed and built a 7,000. So we were on two end, you know, we had just finished, we were, we were building 7,000 square foot homes in Pittsburgh, um, in the South Hills, which is, which is big, you know, I don't know where you're from, but, um, that's not really common, you know, to get up to that level so fast over a matter of nine years. So, uh, a time frame of nine years. But anyway, so that was an amazing part of my life. And God has used it time and time again as teaching tool for me. Um, but also, you know, he's planted things in me, just like he's planted things in you, things that you've done that you think you'll never go back to. I promise you, you will. He will use it. It's not dead. It's not dead. It was not for waste. It was not for um, nothing. Even if it had a purpose and a plan and it was supposed to go in a different direction, God will come back around again and he'll reestablish it. He'll get you to that destination another way. I promise you. So I bless you in that. But so then um, at the 
at the end of that venture, I kicked him out of my house because he was an unsafe alcoholic. Very scary. The kids and I, I have four daughters. They're now ages 16 to 26. So they're, um, you know, when I was in grad school, I had Michaela. Six years later, I had Ashlyn. Two years later, I had Emily. And then two years after that, I had Angelina. So now they're 16 to 26, 16, 18, 20, and 26. And they live with me here in Florida because now I'm down here. I'll get there. But (laughs) this is a long testimony. I don't know if you're interested. I hope you are because I feel like sometimes I have so much to say, but I don't, I value people's time. You know, and that's another part of being a, a busy working parent is that you value that person's time and you're like, you know what? I'll make this quick, I'll make this succinct. Um, you know, I don't want to take a lot of your time. I know you're busy. And so sometimes I neglect my testimony part because I feel like people, you know, I know me, I'm busy and it's not that I don't want to hear your testimony. It's just that, well, you know, can you, can you make it quick or, or can you write it down or can you, um, you know, record it for me and I can listen to it when I can, you know, no, 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 no. I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want to come across like that kind of person either where I have that low expectation of what others expect of me. But I think that I've projected that on people. And so I assume people don't want to hear my testimony, but God wants to move through it. And the enemy is like succeeded in tricking me into thinking people don't want to hear what I have to say. You know, I don't know if that's the case with you. I think it's a very common thing. It's not just something that's um, common to just single working parents. But I feel like the enemy has succeeded in that area. So, okay, so picking up where I left off, um, we ha- I had to kick my ex out. He was a very unsafe person, and my daughters were very happy. And at the time, I was going to a church called Exalt. Um, I had just come out of a different church. Uh, the Lord called me out of it. My mom prompted me and kept asking me, come to this church, come to this church. You'll love it, and it's so much closer. And so, um, yeah, so throughout this whole time, you know, Going back, we were going in a ch- going to a church. I was, uh, that's a whole nother testimony there when I was um, baptized in the Holy Spirit and I felt like I was actually born again for the first time in my life. I'll tell that testimony another time. But for this purpose, I wanted to talk about, you know, where the Lord has me here. And um, um, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting to a main point. And my main point that I'm getting to, and I hope I haven't lost you. <laughs> I hope you haven't shut me off. But there was a per- point and a purpose to this. And that was that, you know, it's, it's difficult for a working single parent to, to make time for, for the Lord. And I hate to say it. I feel like I'm, oh, oh my gosh, did you just say that? Because I've been through those times whenever I was, I had nothing but time for the Lord, you know, but now I don't, I'm busy, Right. And so I'm getting there. I'm getting to that. I'm going to address that. I'm going to come back around to that. I promise. But here I am, right? I kick my ex out. He kicks me off my job site. All of a sudden, my, my seven to seven job, basically seven in the morning, seven at night, <laughs> is it's 24-7 when you're a home builder. But anyway, um, I, would, I was busy, you know? But I was able to come home and be with my kids when they got off the bus. I was able to get them on the bus. I was able to get them off the bus. So I wasn't a neglectful parent. But then there were times when I would just say, all right, guys, um, eat. I'll be back. And I'd take off to the job site. And then I wouldn't come home till later. And then when I was cleaning homes, when, after we'd closed, I would clean them. You know, new construction, get them all ready for the homeowner. I'm going to take a drink. Mm. Still good and warm. Um, I, you know, I did kind of neglect my kids because I was busy. It was a full-time job. And, you know, because he was an alcoholic, my ex was not there. He was not there for us. So we, ha- he had a full-time CPA job and he had his networking in the after, after work hours, which was drinking, golfing, you know, fraternizing and, you know, going off and doing his thing with a bunch of different people. Um, and I was left holding the house project and the homestead with the kids, you know? So my, he wasn't around at all much. He would just, you know, come to the job site in the morning, go to work. And I wouldn't see him until he like stumbled in at night. Unfortunately, that was our life in a nutshell for the majority of our marriage. So this project of home building was nothing new. It would just, you know, on the weekends he was there a little bit, but that was just another excuse for him not to be at home and be with the children and helping me raise them. So they're, they're not close to their dad, unfortunately, you know? And so for whenever I said, daddy's not coming back, they were like, hooray, you know, they were happy. 
And that's sad, but it's true because we were scared every time we'd hear that garage door come up. We ran because we knew he was coming in. He was going to be drunk. He was going to stink. He was going to be sloppy. He was going to like forget about the dinner that I made. Who cares about that? I want a burrito from the freezer and I'm going to give you the finger while you record me, you know, like stumbling around. And the only reason I did that, I did, I recorded him a few times, was so that I could show him when he was sober. Like, look at you. This is how drunk you are. Because sometimes when he was sober, he wasn't so bad, but then he wasn't sober long enough. (laughs) And he did have an anger problem. He still had an anger problem, even when he wasn't drunk. So he wasn't fun Bobby by no means. Um, Referencing (laughs) Seinfeld, if you're familiar with that series. But anyway, okay, so fast forward. There I am all by myself in our house that we built and trying to fight for child support because he decided he was mad and he wasn't going to give me money. And I didn't have a job. I didn't have any income because I wasn't building homes anymore. And I didn't have my career in speech pathology. It had been 10 years since I had been doing that. So I don't even know at that point I was thinking, I'll never be able to do that again. I don't even, you know, things have changed in the field so much. Um, cause that's what happens when you're in a professional field. You, you know, you continuously have to get continuing ed credits, right? And so I wasn't keeping up with that. And I didn't even know if my certification was still active, honestly. I mean, it wasn't, excuse me. I put it into inactive status, but I didn't even know if I could get it back. Come on, bub, jump up. My daughter's dog's here today while they're at Disney today. Come on, sit, please. I mean, I live with them, but I'm babysitting. <laughs> um, So anyway, okay, so there I was, and, um, but I turned to the Lord, right? I had the Lord throughout this whole journey, thankfully, and um, I had a very, very uh, amazing encounter on April 9th of 2010, before the divorce, and he was preparing me, he was, he was there for me, because he knew it was coming. And so he was there for me throughout this whole thing. I was able to handle it. I was just drawn to him. I said, okay, fine. If I'm not going to the job site every day, then I'm just going to be with the Lord. And I didn't have any worries about that. I just sat down in, on the floor by my heater in the living room while my kids were at school every single day. And I just waited on the Lord. And I would have encounters with him. I would, have, um, I would feel his presence in so many ways manifest. I can get into this at another um, podcast, hopefully. But... Um, That's not the focus today. My focus today is being a busy um, single parent and wanting to spend time with the Lord. Okay, so during that time, I didn't have a job, so it was really easy for me to sit there. Money was a huge problem. I was in debt, and I was getting in deeper debt. Uh, I didn't have money. I was fighting for alimony and, um, and child support, so we had to go on welfare. You know, I'm not ashamed to admit it at the time I was, you know, and the girls, they're still not quite ready to admit that to anyone. Um, they may never, and that's fine. But I was on, I had to apply for welfare because I had to get on an insurance plan for my children. I had four daughters and myself and my ex decided that, you know, he was not going, he was going to cover, he did cover us insurance for a while, but see when that stopped, that's whenever I needed to turn to welfare and, and I, I got food stamps. I had an EBT card, you know, that really helped you know, and I can actually emphasize and sympathize with all those precious folks out there that are in need of welfare and that who can't get off of it because it is good and they do make it hard to deny that and to go to work. Um, so that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. We can talk about that as working single parents. You know, we're the ones working, we're single, we're parents, and there's people out there that aren't working, right? Okay, now you're going to hate me. Don't hate me (laughs) Um, because I've been on both sides. I know what it's like and um, it's much better working. It's much better working. That is God's will for us. If you're on welfare right now, no condemnation, no shame in it. But remember that that's not God's perfect will for you. He has given you the power to make wealth. Just remember that. And he wants you to be out there in the dark places working so that he can flow through you, right? Okay, so... Then I, you know, I dove into ministry. I had an opportunity to open up, found a ministry. It was just through some, um, you know, conference I went to. I met some amazing people. And I started uh, um, attending a ministry and got really deep into that. 
And my walk with the Lord was so intense. It was so such a holy time for me. You know, everything was just so easy. I could hear his voice. I could just lean into him, just barely lean. And there I was in the presence of God. The power would flow through me. Um, revelation. Um, my gifts were like really on full cylinders, four, you know, six cylinders operating really well. And um, I was serving, I was tithing, and I got out of debt. You know, the Lord miraculously got me out of debt by uh, one of our real estate properties. We had one, our first home when I was going to college, you know, way back in then before we built our home. Um, I was, I, we were in a little, little home in Dormont, which is south of Pittsburgh. And so we kept that house throughout the years as a rental property, but we could never sell it. Well, we didn't want to sell it, but then the divorce happened and then we tried to sell it and we weren't having much success. So we had to put some money into it to sell it. Well, that sold and it was a miracle in my opinion, because there was a lot of issues with that house and we didn't think we'd ever really be able to sell it. It was this bad market at the time, you know, but I was able to take that money, get out of debt, but I was foolish because I had some money, you know, I had 17,000 left over and I put it in the bank, but I lived on it. I didn't work, you know. I was still in that secret place with the Lord, just focusing on ministry. And I said, Lord, I know that you don't want me to work. You know, I had other people saying to me, Diane, you have to work. My mom, you know, Diane, you need to work. You have a degree in speech. What about that? Can you get back into that? And I was like, oh my Lord, no. And then I even thought about home building. I thought, well, gee, I'll just apply for home building companies. You know, I, I have so much knowledge in the area. I did my own company. Surely I could work for another company. So I did. And I got a little lead there, but I kind of backed away because I started to get a little spooked because I felt like it was too much responsibility. Like I really knew a lot, but I didn't know enough to be able to be the, like the building project manager. I needed that. You know, my ex always did some of the harder things that I kind of didn't know about, like the foundation, the engineering portion. And um, I, th I didn't real, really feel comfortable. Plus, it was, was going to be a lot of hours away from home. And it was going to be a, a, a distance away. So I denied that position. And then I said, you know what? There's the speech pathology, you know. But I don't want to do that anymore. I had no desire to do it. It had been too long. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't. So then there I was one day reading the Bible on the deck. And out of the blue, the Lord stirred me up to investigate if my certification was active and how, if it, you know, I knew it wasn't, I mean, I knew it wasn't, but he was like, go see if you can reactivate that. And I was like, no, Lord, I was kind of fighting him. And I'm like, no, I just want to be in your presence. But he wouldn't leave me alone. You know, the thought just kept nagging me. And, um, so I said, all right, fine. I'll just go sit down at the computer. I mean, I don't even remember my passwords. I don't even remember the websites I need to go to. I don't even know. I don't even know where those files are in my file cabinet. You know, I since have put that away. I closed the door. I thought I was done. You know, I even questioned whether I knew what I was doing when I went and did that whole career. I didn't even know. At this point, I was just so happy to be in the presence of God. I just wanted to focus on Him. I just wanted to read His Word. I just wanted to see visions and dreams and hear His voice and get revelations and, and preach on, you know, these, these media outlets. And um, I just wanted to be in the presence of God in worship. And I wanted to run to sunburn encounters where I was in ministry and just, and, and, and just bask in His presence and plan events and focus on that. That's what I wanted. And so this was the farthest thing from my mind. But I said, well, okay, I'll spend about, you know, a few minutes focusing on that. So I went and, and inquired and, you know, I don't remember the process of how I actually got to that point and figured it out. I did because there's so many different websites. And then I realized, oh, wow. You know, this was a Labor Day weekend, which reminds me of something now that I'm thinking about it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, there, I have to make a mental note. Something just came to me. Um that has some meaning that has to do with Labor Day. But anyway, so there I was, this was a Friday, and I realized that on that following Tuesday after Labor Day, that the whole certification process was about to change. The old way was gonna expire and the new way was gonna start. So people like me were gonna be in deep doo-doo if we didn't have our certifications up to date, if we didn't have our continuing ed credits up to date, okay? So I had to work around the clock that whole weekend to get my continuing ed credits so that I could get my certification activated before that Labor Day, next day after Labor Day, 
or get it postmarked, sent in. So I had to work my butt butt off, oh my Lord, uh, around the clock, getting these credits online. Um, It wasn't really hard. It was just like time consuming. You know, I had to stay up and do it. And I'm so glad the Lord stirred me up because otherwise I would have had to retake the praxis, which is a huge exam to kind of like get a new certification basically. And I do not know any of that information, right? That was from grad school. That was at this point now, that was um, probably like 14 years earlier, something like that. And I, I, or longer. And I was like, there's no way I graduated so long ago. There's no way I would remember any of that stuff, right? So those of you who are in the field where you would have to take a praxis exam, like in any sort of medical field, uh, I don't, I think it's just medical basically, but, um, you know, nursing, I know, I think they take it. Well, anyway, so I made the, I made it, I made it, praise God, I made it. I got everything, you know, postmarked on that Saturday, sent off and I inquired and got everything back to where it needed to be. Thank the Lord. But then I said, okay, well that's done, but I'm not going back to speech Lord. You know, I don't know what you were doing with that. Maybe I'm supposed to use it in some other capacity, but you know, no, 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 I'm not doing that. (laughs) So, oh, so then I started to think about it and I'm like, you know what? Um, you know, no, 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 actually, no, I just dove right back into ministry work and, um, that was 2014. And then I think in 2015 is when, um, the Lord stirred me up. Okay. I need to, I can, I can sub, you know, I can go back to my old employer, interview with them and see, you know, maybe I can get a job in speech. I mean, I need money. And so it was based on need. Uh, I think the Lord really allowed me to experience that debt, you know, again, and um, all my money dried up because I was laying there and I'm like, wow, that money that I thought I had, you know, it's drying up. And so I know I have my timeline a little off, but um, essentially this is, you know, somewhere around in 2015, I think is when I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to my old employer and see if I can get hired. And all I want to do is sub. So I would make a few bucks a month just enough to help me out. And I don't want a full-time job by no means. So they did, they hired me as a sub and you know, can you predict what happened? Can you prophesy what happened? Can you foresee? Well, once I got back into the field, slowly, slowly, I'll try and like fast forward. Um, I realized that I loved doing it. I was good at it and I was making money at it. And so, um, you know, a few days a week subbing or a month, I should say, I, I mean, I think I took like one or two a month, four a month, something like that, one a week. I mean, I, it was very minimal. And then it started to increase. I even turned sub jobs down because I was like, no, no, no. And then I took a full-time sub position because the Lord really stirred me up and said, you need to work. And I was like, oh, I woke up. I was actually sick. And interesting how he used that. I got really sick. I was laying in bed. I had the flu, whatever. And I was laying in there and all I had to do was think, you know, that's all I could do was think and like wait on the Lord. I really wasn't up for watching any teachings or reading. I couldn't read the Bible. Um, I couldn't sit in the secret place. I just laid there with the Lord and he was able to really start to get me my wheels turning. He, He made me realize that my money was drying up that I thought I had, that I was trying to live on and that, you know, trying to fight for alimony and what about my house? I'm living in this house for free. I'm not even paying for this house. My ex is, that's gonna come to an end. And, um, insurance was an issue. You know, I was still, I was, and then I was on welfare and I'm like, I know this isn't God's will for my life. Here I am subbing. I have a degree and I'm living on insurance. I'm living on welfare. That is not God's will for my life. He is not pleased with that. He's, he was patient, not, never condemning, never a shaming at all, but he was not, he had a better plan for my life. He was pleased with me, always pleased with me. Right. But he had a better plan for me. That was not his will for my life. So uh, I decided to um, go back and re-interview with my company again for a full-time position and um, then also interview with other companies. And so that's a whole other testimony there. But um, God confirmed in a vision something prior, two years prior, because he talks to me in two-year increments. You know, I'm sure maybe some of you can relate. There's always a season where the Lord's voice is really dominant in your life. It's true. And mine is the, this upcoming season that we're in right now. We're in, coming up. It's March. Uh, it's March 6th or 7th. I think today is March 7th. So we're coming up into the Passover season. And this is when I was, um, when the Lord speaks very clearly and he directs my path. This is your like hallmark words of knowledge, visions, dreams, 
um, and um, revelations and things that really take me on another path. So, you know, he and he also works on two-year increments. So I'm not quite at that two-year increment yet. This year is just the one year because, you know, a big change happened last year, which was a two-year increment. And now I have another year on this one. Um, so I don't suspect anything huge and major to happen this Passover. But then again, our time is short, right? The Lord's timeline is speeding up. I see things speeding up on his calendar and ours. So he may be, you know, ratcheting me up to another um, point where I'm at, I'm at a change. I've seen and I've heard some things and um, it, it's possible that it's coming. Okay, so we'll see. So that's to come. But anyway, getting back to my main point, how do we as busy parents spend time in the secret place? How do we make time for the Lord, right? Because I know if you're like me, you've heard a lot of testimony. You've heard a lot of people teach on this. Just go and walk away in the closet. And I've done that. Like I said, I did it for five years, but then he rewired me. He re-strengthened me. I got hired full-time. And that was in 2018, okay? And I've been working in the schools ever since. Um, there's some other changes that occurred within that timeline. So that was 2018 to today, 2021, okay? Um, so two years at Propel Schools and now one year with the Stepping Stones group here in Florida, um, working for Martin County Schools, to be specific. And um, I think I'll have another year at this current position before something happens, if things go the way that they have gone. But like I said, if he speeds it up, it's not going to be that way. I'm gonna, something is going to happen this, this Passover. It's going to be another redirection and another change. So I'm looking... I'm looking into that. I'm pressing into that to see and to hear a little bit more about that. But um, so how do we get into that secret place? You know, I was meeting with a friend. I know I started this podcast off by saying that I was meeting with a, a friend last night and she reminded me of how our, because I told her, I said, the one thing I need prayer for is my exhaustion factor. You know, I know what it means to get in the secret place and I, I have done it. I have done it. I've entered into that throne room. I've become so holy. I felt the presence of God so holy all the time upon me. I couldn't even go to a restaurant without ministering to the waitress or I couldn't sit there and watch commercials. They bothered me. You know, I could see the gluttony and just the food network, you know, things like that. You know, I had scales removed. I could see and hear and, you know, it was really difficult for me to be out in the world because sin was very apparent and, you know, I was very sensitive to sin. And um, it grieved me, and, you know, I, would, I was an intercessor at the time. Um, but then he moved me into the workplace, and I don't feel like I'm an intercessor the way I was. I know we all are intercessors in some way, but I was really an intercessor, you know, like feeling and seeing and hearing. But um, so I understand what that means to get away, but I just told her last night, I said, I'm so exhausted. I literally don't have the time, and now I have four children living with me in this apartment here in Florida. Um, you know, we're all getting along. We have an amazing life here. Everything's working out for us financially. You know, I'm able to provide for myself. My children are seeing that I'm a good example. You know, I'm, I'm setting an example. I'm still spending time with the Lord and I am still ministering in some capacity, but not like I was, you know, full-time ministry in the church, but I'm working and I'm providing for myself through the strength of the Lord that, you know, the Lord has done this. I'm not taking any credit away from him. He has given me the power to make wealth. Let's just put it that way. I'm not wealthy <laughs> by no means, but I have the money in the bank and I'm able to pay my bills. And, um, you know, I'm not on welfare. You know, that happened along the way. Whenever I got hired full-time at Propel Schools in Pittsburgh at the charter school, I was I got off welfare. You know, I was able to get on a, an insurance plan. Everything was above board and I was saving money. I was paying all my bills and I was making a good income. Um, but then, you know, two years after working at Propel, my ex gave me the ultimatum. He's like, you're getting out of this house. I'm, I'm fixing it up and I'm selling it. I can't afford this house and mine, you know, my apartment at the same time. Um, so he, he kicked us out and I understood. I said, you know, I knew this day was coming and I don't blame him at all. And the, but Lord, the Lord had strengthened me and given me the grace and the mercy and the heart of the Father and the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing to go through all that because it was hard, right? Well, you know, 
he directed my path here in Florida. You know, I don't want to get into the details of that because it's a long story in and of itself, but he made it very clear. I, I asked, I just inquired and he said, yes. Um, and he positioned me here and has confirmed it through signs and wonders that I'm in the right place. And here I am. And what a blessing it has been. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're working now um, or if you're, you know, off work and you're looking for a new job, but God will give you the job that you won't even think you will enjoy. I'm telling you, quite possibly that area that you feel least qualified for and that you feel like that is the least desirable position I would want. And I, you could think of a, a thousand reasons why. At least five solid reasons. Why no way, no way, no way, no way, no way. That's not what I want to do. He, just trust him. If he's leading you in that direction, trust him. Because I did the exact same thing. Um, but I had a word. The word was just propel across the country. I'm going to tell you that. I was on a Columbia crusade with Bridal Glory International. And I was sitting there waiting on the Lord. And um, my apostolic leader, Bo Key, at Sunburn Encounters, appeared to me in a vision. I mean, it wasn't him appearing to me. You know, I know. It was the Lord using him to appear to me, to tell me, just appear, just, oh, sorry, just propel across the country. He pointed to me in a vision. And then that was it. I saw that vision. I came out of it. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm supposed to do ministry. This was in 2016, um, before I started working Okay, this was when I was still subbing and I was still in ministry. I wasn't in the schools full time. I was just substituting. And um, he said, just propel across the country. So I thought, oh, see, I'm going to be in ministry, propelling across Colombia or America, whatever. Um, I don't know what, the, how, what that's going to look like, but I know the Lord gave me a word. Well, it turns out in 2018, then, is whenever I started working for Propel Schools. I didn't even know we had a Propel Schools in Pittsburgh. That was a charter school. You know, I drove by it one day. I saw a building. I was like, Propel, Propel Schools. That's weird. That reminds me of that, you know, vision that I had. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just look on their website. Turns out they were hiring. I got interviewed. I got the position. And let me tell you what. It was an inner city situation where it was very dark, very scary, very intimidating. Um, wild as ever. And I had so much peace and love and joy and strength and joy in it. Oh, joy, joy, joy. The treasure that was hidden in that dark place, um, he allowed me to find that truffle that was hidden that most people were like, no thanks, I don't want that. And had I not had a word from the Lord though, I may have been just like them. No thanks, not, you know, and I had voices close to me telling me, be careful. Um, don't get that school. That's the worst school. That's so dangerous there. You're going to have to carry, you know, mace and all that. And I was like, oh my Lord, what are you doing? Please, any, any school but these two, you know? Turns out those were the two in the district that I got. So I just walked in faith and I said, well, I know the Lord's with me. Turns out those were the two schools, K through 12. I had K, kindergarten through 12th grade, two buildings. And it was such a blessing. And I, I thought I would, I worked there forever, you know? In the midst of chaos, it was so good. My hands were right there in the midst. You know, the Lord, I was bringing the Lord in the midst of a dark place. And he was able to manifest his presence through me, bring peace and, you know, deliverance to children. It was amazing. Um, so I thought that's where I was going to stay, right? And then I get the bomb dropped on me in 2020 that I have to move out of my house. Um, I didn't have a choice, but I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's see what's down in Florida. So the Lord, I feel like he prepared me for this place though, because, you know, I had gotten that experience at Propel Schools and here I am working here and I got the same income, you know, I said, Lord, for me to have to go to Florida, I mean, I can't be taking a cut in my salary because as you working parents know, you can't, you know, you want to follow the Lord's voice, but you also know that it would be foolish, right? Um, some of us have done it and who knows, maybe God would supplement you in another way. Step out. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to discourage you from doing that, but I also want to encourage you that um, to, to, to just trust that and, and ask of it and say, Lord, you know, let that be a sign that the income will be the right income, you know? And in fact, even at Propel, I, I put an income out there and I said, Lord, please, this is what I need to get. And sure enough, when I got that call back, that was the income. I was so blown away. I said, wow, you know, he had confirmed it through words and prophetic utterances from people and, um, you know, 
uh, my own knowing that I knew this is what it was. And so I was able to get that same income, you know, actually just slightly less, but whenever I took into consideration, I wasn't paying sales, uh, state tax, state, state income tax, you know, that it worked out. There was some other things that increased, some other things that decreased, you know, for instance, car insurance is very expensive down here. Don't know if you know that. Um, but I didn't know that I was paying like $130 up there a month here. I'm paying over 300. (laughs) It's like 310. Um, because so many people must drive around here. There's like some no fault law or whatever. I I don't even know really, but I think what it means is you can't blame the other person's insurance company or something like that. You know, a lot of people must drive around here without insurance. Maybe there's just a lot of, you know, given the fact that you've got a lot of um, people that are from out of state that are here on a regular basis, there's just a lot of difficulty in that insurance domain. Well, anyway, long story short, that went up, Um, but my utilities went down, you know, Um, um, for sure, way down. Like I was for a big house, obviously. Oh, good Lord. I don't even know. I was paying like well over 400 a month for my utilities. Here I'm paying like 160 a month for utilities. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You know, I don't have an HOA. I'm living in an apartment, which I love. I love renting. Um, it's very maintenance-free living. I'm not ready for a home. And, and, you know, like, I don't know if you can relate, but as a single parent, you know, you may be working and you may be renting just like me and maybe thinking to yourself, you know, I should be investing in a home. I shouldn't be throwing my money away, but just trust in the Lord. He has a plan. He will do it. And so um, I want to take a second right now to pray because I want us all to come into agreement that whatever land the Lord has for us, whatever place that the sole of our foot has tread upon has been given unto us. And it's only a matter of time before it comes to you. So I bless you. I say, land come in Jesus name. And whatever that looks like, whatever that land looks like, whether it's you're talking you know, property for a business venture or whether it's for uh, purchasing a home or whether it's a condominium or whether it's an apartment or whether it's um, just, you know, a, a piece of property that you want to invest in or if it's rental property, you want to flip, whatever. So I just bless you in it, you know, because I know us working people, we're, we can be entrepreneurish, a little bit entrepreneurish. You know, we have that entrepreneurish-ish thing going on. Um, that was a whole nother testimony. I had that going on too. I mean, obviously I did home building, but I did an entrepreneur business as well with a, uh, child support cushion. That's whenever I was, um, having babies and I was working in the schools, I was dis- patenting a product, you know, and that was fun. I still have a thousand units somewhere. Um, that was a long story there, uh, in some warehouse in Tampa, but I, <laughs> that they may be in the trash can. I don't know what happened to those. But anyway, that's a long story. There was other people involved. But let's go back. So how do we make time for the Lord in the secret place? So as I was talking to my friend, um, she reminded me of that verse in Isaiah. Those who wait upon the Lord. I think it's Isaiah 40, verse 3. I had it written down. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up like wings. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will walk and not run, right? Or they will run and not walk. They will... Um, anyway, <laughs> just going off memory. I'm sure you know that verse. And I thought, oh my gosh, of course, Lord, you know, here I am falling for that lie that I am so tired that the last thing I can do is sit in the secret place, you know, before work, get up too early, um, and be tired all day or <clears throat> stay up late at night and wait on you in the secret place. Like I used to, because I'll be tired the next day. I fell for that lie. I bit it hook, line, and sinker. And it takes, you know, camaraderie. It takes sisterhood. It takes fellowship in the body of Christ. Iron sharpening iron to remind us of his word sometimes. And so I just want to remind you that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And as a working parent, as a single working parent, you need to know that. You need to be reminded of that. Get in that place. And I'm speaking to me. I'm going to do it today after I record this broadcast. But I am feasting on this word with you. You know, when I pour out what the Lord has been teaching me and showing me and giving me revelation on, I feed upon that and my strength is renewed. You know, and I know he is our rest. Jesus is our rest. We can be working. We can be driving. We can be um, 
ministering, but we are in Christ. And so we are in rest. We are always in Jesus. I understand that, but we do live in a physical body. Um, but there is supernatural strength, even for our physical body in the secret place and in communion. That's a whole nother thing. And communion is another thing that I've been neglecting because I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm riding on the fumes of that last communion and that's good enough, but it isn't. I mean, I used to take communion every day. I had that revelation. I, I, I was preaching it, teaching it, but I wasn't, now here I am not following it, you know? You know, lest I preach to you, but yet fall away and neglect the salvation that is, is, is provided for me, right? I don't want to be that person that preaches out of one side of their mouth, but doesn't actually do it. And so I'm preaching to myself today. So I just want to bless you. I'm going to take another drink of my coffee. I hope I bless you today. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so I want to encourage you to get back into that secret place. And this friend of mine sent me a video. And um, ironically, the name of the guy is Isaiah Salazar. You guys may know him very well, but I never heard of the guy, honestly. And he is inspiring me and reminding me of the strength that's in that secret place. And it does require us to go there because that's where the Lord lives. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, go into that secret place and close the door and be with the Lord because he lives in that place. He lives there. He lives in the secret place. Now I realize we don't have to go in a closet and sit on the hard floor because literally that's what I was doing. I don't have a beautiful little secret place, but I've got little pockets all over my house. Um, so right now there's nobody here. They're at Disney. They were at Disney yesterday, stayed overnight, and now they're coming home sometime today. But I've had this whole house to myself. So this entire space is my secret place today. Um, I have a nice little um, balcony that's screened in, and that is an amazing secret place. You know, it's facing a beautiful Savannah's Reserve um, frog pond. And um, I'm sure there's a gator in there too. Definitely there's turtles. My daughter saw one. I still have yet to see the turtle. I still have yet to see an actual gator in there. There was something thrashing around in there, but I don't, could have been a gator, but it was probably just a baby, you know, like small gators. Cause I don't think that's very deep out there. I was looking at some, some cranes. I'll call them cranes. I'm not sure what technically what kind of bird it was, uh, white cranes, but, uh, you know, they were over there and I'm thinking, gee, I thought that was a lot deeper than it is. I'm sure there's deeper sections of it, but we have frogs that come over here and they climb up on our house at night. (laughs) It's so cute. But anyway, so I just shared my entire testimony. Here I am working in the schools and I'm loving my job, but I'm exhausted. I'm distracted. And, you know, I prayed, Lord, please. When I was in that five-year period of being with the Lord, ministering in the secret place and in the church, I didn't want anything to distract me. Even church-related activities, when I had to, like, you know, watch a video and find a moment clip and post it and work on the website and, and work on the newsletter and, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. When I was doing all that media, it was taking me away from the Lord. And I was like, Lord, but I was still feasting on him because he was flowing through me and stuff, but still it wasn't the same. Like I just wanted to wait on him and just feel his presence. And you know, uh, the more you spend with him, more time you spend with him, the more you become like him. So I feel like right now, even though I am, he's in me and I'm in him, I'm not like Jesus much, you know, like I can so go out to a restaurant and not give two cares about people that are lost and dying. I I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I don't have that, like that desire in me to go over there and minister. Whereas before I was embarrassing to my daughters, you know, we couldn't even go to a restaurant. My mom even, you know, and she's, she used to go to Catherine Coleman. I mean, she is no stranger to ministry, but she would just want to sit there at Red Lobster and me not talk to the waitress about the Lord, you know, like, come on, let's, you know, it was kind of like, you know, uncomfortable. I mean, once it got flowing, it was all good and stuff. The, the, the Lord would flow and everyone would laugh and things would get done. But people just want to, you know, couldn't go to the mall without wanting to just like be in the presence of God. And he would flow through me and I would weep and I'd laugh and I'd just be like in La La. My mom called it La La Land. <laughs> and it's true. I was in La La Land. I, I admit it. But now I'm not in La La Land anymore. I'm in the real world. I'm providing for my family, but I'm less like Jesus. I really am. And, you know, I, I don't care right now. So I just, I, I want to encourage us all right now to spend time with the Lord and get back into that place, you know, where he can, 
he can move through us. You know, like it says, the Holy Spirit is in us for us, but he comes upon us for others. And so, you know, I know that I'm not walking in the strength of him. You know, he's not upon me and he's not come. He doesn't come upon me so that I can minister to others as much. And it's just been weaning off slowly, you know, you know, it propelled. It was really strong, you know, first year and then second year got a little bit less strong. 